students and parents we're not meeting tomorrow night uh, because we have the israel thing going on here at church and i encourage you to be here for that uh, but i wanted to take some time just because of uh, some things that i've seen on social media and on TikTok, and just provide some uh, biblical advice for dating uh, students are uh, in a weird stage in life especially in the west uh, where they are becoming aware of their sexuality. Uh, they are uh, experiencing uh, physical uh, attraction toward others. And so I just want to look at what the, what the Bible says about this physical attraction and how we as Christians uh, conduct ourselves uh, for our own good, for the good of our future marriages, and for the good of society. Uh, my hope is that students will take this biblical advice uh, and that parents will use this biblical advice as they disciple their children in the home and today we're going to look at first peter uh, chapters two and three uh, peter uh, he takes he, he does what every new testament writer does they're writing their letters he reveals something about jesus uh, something about theology and then from that thing that he reveals about who jesus is and the way jesus lived uh, then he applies it in this case peter applies it to uh, marriage but because jesus never married uh, because Jesus was not attracted to people in that kind of way. He created them, so he's not going to be attracted to them in that kind of way. Uh, we know that this applies to all of our relationships, even dating relationships. And so I just, I want to look at this with you first, the truth about Jesus, and then the application, how this applies to marriage and then to dating, which is what Peter does with this. Here's what Peter says about Jesus. This is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. He says, For you have been called for this purpose. Now, before this, Peter is talking about our, our purpose for having been called. Uh, when we were called into Christ, when we were saved, when we were born again, when our hearts were regenerated, when we received the Spirit, uh, when Jesus saved us, Right, He saved us for a purpose. That purpose was not merely getting into heaven. Getting into heaven is a great benefit of being in Christ, being a child of God, but that is not merely what Jesus saved us for. Uh, instead, Peter claims that when Jesus saved us, he saved us for the purpose uh, of living righteously in the world, uh, of doing well, of living right before God, obeying God in the world, doing good in the world uh, for the benefit of the world. When we live righteous lives, when we obey God, the world is actually made a better place. So when Peter gives us the purpose for which we have been called, um, I realize that the rules that God gives uh, for relationships, the rules that God gives in the Old Testament, the rules that God gives in the New Testament, and they're not arbitrary. Uh, he is not rule mongering. He's quite literally telling us, this is how you make the world a better place. This is how you make the world a happy place to live. Uh, this is how you live a happy and a joyful life. Uh, if we were to follow the principles outlined in the law of God, which is in the Bible, in the rules of the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, we would live happier lives. We would live more joyful lives. Societies really would be full of more mercy. Uh, we would live in a more just world. Uh, that's what the law does for us, that we would live long and prosper in the land that God has given. Uh, I think the same principles apply 
to every nation, every culture on earth, that if we follow the principles of the law, we would live long and we would prosper. This is ultimately the goal that God desires to renew his world, to make his world a better place. He's doing that through us as he teaches us how to live righteous lives in Christ. So we were called for this purpose, quite literally, to, to live in such a way that makes the world a happier and better place to live. We were called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile. In return, while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Again, that's 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 25. Look at the way Peter says Jesus lived. Jesus lived for the benefit of others. Jesus suffered so that others could be healed. He considered others, in when he was in his flesh, when he was in his body on this earth, he considered others to be more important than himself. He became a servant to others. He did not live for his own pleasure, even according to his own words in the flesh and the body on this earth. Uh, he did not live according to his own will or to teach his own philosophies, but those of the Father. Now, that may get kind of tricky as we think about Jesus himself being God, one with, with God and God in the beginning. Um, but Jesus, the example he left for us was an example of sacrifice, of selflessness rather than selfishness, where he did not seek his own will or pleasure on this earth. And Peter is going to take this truth about who Jesus is and the way Jesus lived, the example he set for us so that the world might be a better, a happier, more merciful, more just place, and that we might live according to the example we have been given in Christ, in the flesh, we might live like Jesus. Now, Peter, he, he makes application first directly to women, which, which I think is amazing that he does this. Uh, this would be unheard of in his culture, in society, where women were thought of as objects. And he said, first, I'm going to address the women, uh, not the men, but the women particularly. And so he says, in the same way, you wives. Now remember, he's addressing marriage relationships. This applies to broader section than just marriage because Jesus never married. So we all, as we're living like Christ, this applies to all of our relationships. Peter's just making specific application here to marriage. We're going to make broader application to dating. Peter didn't know what dating was in the Western world. It was an idea that was totally foreign to him, but it is now regularly the way we do things in Western culture and Western civilization. But look at what Peter says. He says, in the same way, you wives, uh, women, like women could live like Christ. Women could be like Christ. Whatever instruction Peter is about to give here, it's, it's so that women might live like Jesus lived. And Jesus lived as a man, right? So 
there's something to be said here about the way Peter views women. He is elevating them. Uh, he is putting them alongside men on, 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 an equal, on equal ground, on a level playing field. He's saying, you women, wives, be like Christ. Live like Christ lived. In the same way as Christ lived, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, we often are turned off by that word. We are offended by that word, uh, be submissive by this command, be submissive. But understand, Jesus is telling women, be like Christ. Christ was submissive to God the Father. So you, women, wives, also be submissive. And we're not getting into the instruction for men yet. We will in, in just a little bit of time. And, and Peter will tell men the exact same thing that he tells women. You, like the women, like Christ, be submissive. So he says, women, wives, like Christ, in the same way as Christ lived, you be submissive to your own husbands. Uh, not to other people's husbands, not to men in general, and, and certainly not to potential suitors. This is an instruction for, for wives and their husbands. Be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient, this is so interesting, to the word, that's the instruction of God, the law of God, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior like he is telling women, like, if you live like Christ, your righteousness, when you are like Christ, when you are submissive, uh, when you do live respectfully, uh, when you do live for the benefit of, of others, when you do uh, sacrifice yourself, like, your actions, the way that you live, will actually have an effect on the world around you. This is exactly what Peter said our purpose was for being called in Christ, that we would live righteously and that our righteousness would actually make the world a better place, a, a happier place, a more merciful place, more just place to live. Here, Paul is applying this idea like to women and their marriage relationships. Your household will become more just. It will become more livable. In fact, if your husbands are being disobedient to God, you may win them to the side of obedience by your chaste and respectful behavior. This is worth more than your outward appearance. And we're going to see that here in just a second. Like when a woman, when her behavior is chaste, when she is modest, right? When she is modest, uh, and when she lives a life that is respectful, respectful of others rather than uh, rebellious uh, or loud or where she's complaining all the time or griping all the time, like y'all, this behavior is attractive. Like this is, this is, this is hot. Like this is way more attractive uh, than a woman merely from the outside, like looking uh, pretty or, or gorgeous. Like this kind of behavior uh, is a is a turn on for good men, not little boys probably because they're shallow, but like for for good men, like you want to you want to win a good man is the application to dating, right? Be modest, be chaste, be respectful as you live your life. Uh, don't 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 be flam flamboyant. Be be a little more reserved. Live a live a respectable life and be and be modest care way more about the content of your character than by trying to seduce a man by the way you look and you will you're much more likely to win a good man a man who is obedient to God's word and who will treat you 
well in a very real way, like what you win a man with is what you win him to. If you win him with your outward appearance, you will always have to keep up that outward appearance. And that may not turn out well as you get older and you develop wrinkles and you start sagging in different places. Okay, that man that you won with your with your physical appearance, he will no longer be attracted to you because he is still a, a little boy. He is still a, a child and he approaches relationships in a childish way. There is a much deeper level of connection here. It is the content of one's character. Uh, modesty and living in a respectful way will never go out of style. That sort of attitude will always win a good man. Good men are around. It is they're not attracted by trashiness, okay? And they will love God and they will obey God and they will treat you, treat you well. But if you're living in a way that is not chaste or not respectful, right, that is immodest and disrespectful, you will only ever win the trash. Only trash will be attracted to you. And in this case, the way Peter's making application is, hey, if you start living a righteous life, which is a foreign to Greek culture, right, which was very immodest and, and very disrespectful, right? Paul's saying, if you live a modest and respectful life, I know it's against culture, but it's going to accomplish some great things in your marriage that you already have. Like women, if you begin living this way, your husband may change. Like this can change a husband into a respect, respectable man. You can teach your husband how to be a man. And when women live modestly and respectfully, it actually teaches men um, through the way that they live how to be good men. It, it teaches men how to be more mature. And rather than being trash, then we have good men in society who sacrifice themselves for, for the greater good. So here, Peter is quite literally saying, women, you have a huge role to play in the home and in society as a whole, men are trash because in, in large part, you are teaching them to be trash. But if you started being modest, if you started being respectful and respectable, men, men would have a reason. They'd have an incentive to be more mature. Um, and I could put it another way. Women make men work for it. Don't be so easy, right? This is what Peter is saying. This is the advice he gives us, which is amazing. All right. So even if they are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. And then he, he moves on to outward appearance and, and what we are to think about outward appearance. Look at this. Your adornment must not be merely external. Here, quite literally meaning originating from the outside. Uh, your beauty is not based on outward appearance. He doesn't call outward appearance bad. He's not saying it's evil to, to look cute, right? He is saying if that's, if that's where it begins, like you're going to have some problems in your relationships. You're going to actually cause some problems in, in the world. You're, you're probably going to bring about some injustice. You're going to encourage a man not to be merciful toward you. You're going to encourage a definition of, of love that, that actually causes a lot of, a lot of angst and, and drama and disunity in the household. So he says, don't start with outward appearance. Uh, your adornment must not mere, be merely external. 
braiding the hair is this uh, suggestive in Greek culture. This is sexually suggestive way to, to dress. I'm attracting someone with my outward appearance. So here in the West, in the 21st century, uh, women are uh, they're, they're, they're unwearing clothing in order to be suggestive. It's the same exact thing. Uh, so uh, with braided, braided hair, wearing gold jewelry, or, or putting on dresses, these things that are, that are very su- suggestive aren't necessarily sinful, according to Peter. But with your beauty starting there, that being suggestive, like this is how I'm winning a man. Instead of doing that, let your beauty, let your adornment, be the hidden person of the heart. Let it be the, the content of your character. Be modest, be honest, be respectful, be respectable. Consider others to be more important than yourself. Be, be gentle, be pure. Let it be the hiddenness, uh, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Why is this humility, this modesty of the heart. Why is this precious in the sight of God? And when we live like this, when we live respectful lives, what does this accomplish in God's creation on God's earth and God's world? Well, society becomes happier. Injustice becomes lessened. People learn how to show mercy. People learn how to to love in a way that is sincere rather than in a way that is based on physical appearances. There is a deep, deeper level of attraction that is experienced when when two people love each other and, and come together in marriage. This pleases God. This kind of attitude about a woman is precious in the sight of God. And any man who is godly, any man who is a real man will treasure this kind of attitude in a woman. And he may be physically attracted to trashy women. If you choose to be a trashy woman or women that are always flaunting themselves, he may be attracted physically to that. He may think, oh, that's, I I like the way that looks, but look, a good man will never commit to something like that because he knows there is no future in that. A good man, a man who is a real man, will commit to the woman who is modest and he will commit to the woman who lives a respectful life because he knows, hey, there's a real future here. This woman's going to cause me a lot less drama in life. I'm going to be a lot happier with this kind of woman. Plus, there's a a much deeper point of attraction here than there is with merely the the physical attraction that trashy women try try to present in order to win men or get likes on social media or whatever, like this pleases God. This is precious in God's sight because it actually creates a better world, better homes, better families, better schools, better friendships. Like this attitude creates a better world all the way, all the way around, more more respectful, uh, respectable, uh, more merciful, more just, more loving society and world all the way around. For in this way, in former times, the holy women, he's saying, hey, before the Greeks took over, (laughs) before Greek culture came in, women used to be chaste and respectful. Uh, Women used to be this way. Uh, And so, look, sometimes the old ways are better. In Peter's day, he's saying the old ways are better. Let's, Let's go back to that. The old ways 
or better. Uh, conduct yourselves like women used to conduct themselves before you were so flamboyant, before you, before you flaunted all your, all your stuff. Like in this way, the former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, the content of their character, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. No, I am not saying you should call your husband Lord, okay? We live in a, a different time than Sarah and Abraham did. So did Peter, okay? Uh, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. When you live a chaste and respectful life, uh, when you're adorning yourself by the content of your character, rather than trying to be sexually suggestive to win a man, you are children of Sarah. Uh, you live life like Sarah lived. And God is actually pleased by this. But not only is God pleased by this, I, I understand there's some kind of ethereal, like God is pleased by by this. And it, it it's hard to latch on to that, hard, hard to grab hold of, of that, hard to really stand on that. But quite literally, when we live like this, you make the world a better place. You actually affect love in the home, mercy in the home, justice in the home. And Peter here, elevating women, honoring women by addressing them first, says, hey, you have the power in the way you live to affect society and to affect the home and to affect your schools, and to affect your workplaces by living a modest life and by living a respectful life where you are respectful of, of others. And when it's, when it's God's time for you to, to have a husband, like you will attract a good man. Uh, you don't have to flaunt your stuff in order to get the attention of a man because again, that's the kind of attention you're getting. It's only going to cause problems later in life, and it's only going to bring more hurt and more drama to the world that we all share and the world that we all live in. I see this most often on social media right now, right? Like, women, get a life. Start living for something bigger than a quick click on, a, on the like button. Like, for real, live for something bigger. Now, Paul, he turns to address men. He says, you husbands, in the same way. You husbands, in the same way. <laughs> husbands, all the instruction I just gave the women, you are to be like them. He, he tells the husbands like they're supposed to be like their wives, like their wives when they live chaste and respectable lives are their example in the same way. Man, in the same way as their wives, in the same way as Christ, Paul places men and women on equal ground here. Uh, not one is superior to the other. Both are to be submissive. Like Paul does something that is unheard of in his culture where women were seen as, as property or objects. He's saying men in the same way, indicating right there, hey, you are not to see women as objects for your own satisfaction, for your own pleasure. Like women are actually men. Women are your example. If they are living godly lives, they are your example in the same way. Husbands, Live with your wives in an understanding way. Consider how they are feeling. Uh, consider what they are thinking. Understand them. Try to understand their emotions. It means this is possible, men. Um, it, I, you know, um, 
men make a big deal out of not understanding women all the time. Uh, that comes from a place of pride rather than humility. And Peter here is indicating that, that we should actually listen, understand women, um, at least to the best of our ability, right? Understand that they are weaker vessels, understand that they have more needs than we have when it comes to relationships. Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker. In general, women are physically weaker than men. That doesn't mean they're less important. It doesn't mean they're unequal to men. It does mean that it is really easy for a man to take advantage of a woman. Women have more emotional needs than men do. In general, there are some some weird men out there who are really emotionally needy. Okay, that's that's not the norm. Typically, women are, have more emotional needs than men. And instead of condemning that, Peter says, men, understand that. You are there to fill that need. Someone is weaker. So she is a woman. Show her, show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Show her honor as a lesser heir. It's not what Peter says. Show her honor as a fellow heir, as one who is equal, as one who is uh, an equal, of equal part to inherit the kingdom of God in the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like this is unheard of in Greek culture. This is unheard of in, in Hebrew culture. And Peter is saying, hey, she is equal. And in Christ, she will inherit just as much as you, man. Honor her as a co-heir, as a sister in grace and life so that your prayers will not be hindered like like if a man, a grown man, chooses to live like a little boy to satisfy his own desires and his own pleasures, and he treats women as objects, as objects to be used for his own pleasure, for his own satisfaction, and, and he's uh, watching pornography, and he's scrolling through TikTok just to find those, those videos of women being promiscuous, right? And, and he's using women in this way. Uh, this seems pretty clear, at least Peter indicates, that God will ignore him. God has set his face against that man uh, because he has chosen to live his life like a little boy who has just come into, you know, physical maturity and has his hormones raging and he's letting those hormones control him, God says, I am setting my face against you because you are dishonoring me and you are actually making my world a worse place filled with more injustice and non-mercy and you are creating an environment where women feel they need to um, win you by way of physical attraction rather than the content of their character and you have been called for a greater purpose than that and since you are not about my purpose god says i i am setting my face against you and peter wants us to know that he's not making this up so he quotes the old testament look at this first peter chapter 3 verses 8 through 12 to sum up all of you be harmonious sympathetic brotherly kind-hearted and humble in spirit all of you men and women not returning evil for evil or insult for insult but giving a blessing instead 
for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. There, this creating a world where there's happiness, mercy, peace, justice, the world that the people of God will inherit uh, as, as equals, right? This blessing. You were called for the purpose that you might inherit a blessing for, and then Peter actually quotes from Psalm 34. Like he's, he quotes the Old Testament to show, hey, I'm not making this up. All the New Testament authors do it. They quote the Old Testament to prove what they're saying is true with regard to Jesus and the way that we ought to conduct ourselves in the world. He quotes the Old Testament, Psalm chapter 34, and he says, the one who desires life to love and see good days. Do you, do you desire life? Do you desire to love? Like this is Paul's purpose for writing. Do you desire to see good days in your life rather than days filled with, with drama or, or hardship? If you desire this, there's no guarantee we can escape hardship, right? Um, because other people also sin and cause hardship. There is some hardship we can't avoid, but as far as it depends on us, like if we want to, to live, like really live life, if we really want to love, if we really want to experience good days, this is, this is the advice that the Old Testament gives us that Peter is here applying to marriage and that we're applying to dating. If you desire these things, life, love, and good days, keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So those who treat other people well, ultimately what this boils down to, right? Those who treat other people well, those who live for the benefit of others, those who are modest, and those who are respectful and respectable, God sees you. God sets his eyes toward you. God listens to you. But those who treat other people like objects for their own gain in a dating relationship and in marriage and in any relationship, right? Those who do evil rather than righteousness. God ignores you, according to Psalm 34. He does not hear you. He does not listen to you. His face is set against you. You are the enemy of God. Not only are you the enemy of God, but you have to deal with the fact that you're actually causing injustice in God's world. You are actually encouraging people not to practice a sincere form of love because you have chosen to identify yourself, because you have chosen to use others for your own pleasure, for your own satisfaction. You have chosen to prostitute yourself on social media or in text message. And you have to deal with the fact that you are against God and you are causing injustice in his world. You are removing mercy and love and peace from the world that God created. And you are working against the good purpose of God as God calls people to himself. And you are making the world a worse place, a less happy place, a less joyful place for yourself and everyone in it. So I would say in line with what Peter is saying here, in line with Psalm chapter 34, like, do you want to live a happy life? Do you want to see these days as the good old 
days. It doesn't matter how young you are. This is a lesson that, that should be learned. And I hope you take this advice because it will benefit you your whole life when it comes to any relationship, but especially dating and marriage. Be modest, be respectful, and you will be happier. And you won't have to fight to try to get attention because really good men find that to be extremely attractive. You will win a good man for yourself, women. And men, if you treat women like, like, like equals, you will win a good woman for yourself. And the world won't be full of so much relationship trashiness. We will be better off for it, not just in a single household, not just as individuals, but as a, as a human race. These are the things that we seek, and these are the things the Bible encourages us toward. And that's why Scripture, being our instruction in Jesus, being our Savior and our example, that's why this matters. Because quite literally, everything that we are trying on our own to get attention for ourselves or to make life better, it doesn't work. But then when we, had, when we follow the advice that God gives and the example that Jesus set in all of our relationships, especially dating and marriage, there is a lot of blessing to be had. Mm -hmm.